0: But it is not that the word of God is taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called, that is, those who are the children of the flesh. Not, they are, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as a seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son, And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Not. I just want to say thank you, Keith, for your testimony today. It just shows the awesomeness of our God. Uh, man, our God is awesome. He is awesome. Amen. Amen. Woo! Yes, lift your voice and praising. I can't. Oh, let's pray. Oh Lord our God, mighty are the works of your hands. Awesome is your power. You are glorious. And you are mighty, and we magnify your name, and we lift it high. We as your children come together, Lord God, to sing praises to you. You are worthy of all of our praise, O Lord God Almighty. Lord God, as I... We just thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. I pray that people's eyes will be open to see the power of your word, the life that is in your word, Lord God. That you breathe these words, Lord God, that they are to us, that we hear them. That we let them go to our hearts, Lord God, that we live them. We walk them. And Lord God, we abide in your word. We abide in Jesus, who is your word. You are the word of truth, Lord Jesus. And we magnify your name above all. That, Lord God, we be separated unto you. Lord God, that we, we leave behind the things of this world that do not satisfy. You are the only satisfaction that we can find, Lord Jesus. In you is truth. You are truth, Lord Jesus. That we seek you with our whole hearts. We seek the kingdom of God, Lord God. As I spent time with you this morning, Lord God, I say, what did you want me to? What did you want me to pray this morning, Lord God? And I say, I had nothing, Lord God, but as your Spirit, I say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today, Lord Holy Spirit, that you will just move in our midst, that we will be empowered by you. It is your power. It is your power fully moving through us to do the works that you've called us to do. Within ourselves, we cannot do them. We do not have the the power to do these things, but it is your power. But as Paul said, I glory in my weaknesses because in my weaknesses then I am strong because it is by your grace. It is by your grace, Lord Jesus, that we are empowered to do the things that you've called us to do. And I pray for each person here today, Lord God, I don't know where they are, but you know where they are. You see each person where they are right now, Lord God. It could be that they might be going through the biggest trial of their life right now, and they say, I can't do it anymore. I can't go on. I'm at the end of my rope, but Lord Jesus, you see and you say, Give it to me. I will do it. Lord God, that they surrender it to you. As what Keith said, casting all your care on him, because he cares for you. Lord God, that they will humble themselves to see that you are the source. You are almighty God. Nothing is impossible for you. You are the God of the impossible. And Lord God, we magnify your name. We glorify you today, Lord God. And as Jude 25, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty Dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.
1: Wow, I encourage you guys to uh, open up in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9 and uh, be challenged this morning ready or not. A lot of folks when they come to Romans chapter 9, they describe it as one of the more difficult sections of scripture. The only real problem with Romans chapter 9 is being okay with what it says. You know, the the issue is we come to Romans chapter 9 and and I find myself wanting to do it too. You know, I want to plug in all my human understanding and make sense. How's it work? How does that work out practically? How does that fit? And the, and the issues are that, that, that people start to write a bunch of other books. And I can't understand the books that they're writing because they're so complicated. I'm swimming in it. And I have to pick up my Bible and read it again. Go, oh yeah, it wasn't that hard before these guys all started talking. But when Paul was speaking, and if we slow down, and if we don't make assumptions, and if we allow God to do what He wants to do, we see that Paul's answering—boy, answering, I'm trying answering a question. He started in Romans chapter two. What was the benefit of being a Jew? That's what they asked him. If it's true that we're all broken, we're all condemned, we're all a mess, then then what was the point of being a Jew? What was the benefit for the Jewish person? And Paul really didn't get into it at that point because he he continued to build on the concept. Not only is the Gentile broken, the Jew is broken, we're all broken, we're all condemned before God. We all need Him to save us. That's what he was working on from chapter 1 through chapter 8. When he comes to chapter 9, he points himself again toward that question. That question that, that asks, if God chose Israel for Himself, if God... Picked Israel out of all the nations of the earth. And now Israel's lost. They're not saved. Then how can we know he's going to keep the promise to us? Has the word of God failed? That's what Paul is dealing with. And we saw as he began last week, he began to, to lay out for us. In, in Romans chapter 9, we're dealing with the rejection of Israel. And so if Israel has been re- rejected, what does that mean? And how does that relate to me? And, and what does that mean for my relationship with Christ? And so as he, as he continues to build on it, he started with the, the idea of his sorrow. His sadness over the fact that, it, that, that Israel was lost. Now what Paul is saying, he said, "I would become accursed for them." So that means they're accursed, they're lost, their 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 destination is hell. But they're chosen. How does that work out? How does that how does that fit in my Theology, my concept of how God works, and what God does. And there are several several blessings he talks about that that Israel had. You remember as we worked our way through uh, verses 4 and 5, that they were God's people, that they had God's purpose, the original adoption as sons, that they had God's presence, they had His promises, His principles, His place, the prophecies that pointed to Messiah... The patriarchs who led them in that direction and ultimately they had Christ himself who was born of the seed of Abraham. All of these blessings yet they're lost. And so building on that concept and that idea, he begins in verse 6 of Romans chapter 9 to say, But it is not that the Word of God has taken no effect. It's not that the Word of God has failed. It's our understanding. And he says, For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. And he begins in the next several verses. that we're going to look at today. And people make a couple of different mistakes when they come to this section. Uh, Um... He's going to begin to describe to us what I would call Abrahamic election or corporate election or the fact that it's it's within God's right to choose corporately now that don't don't think that that's going to get easier because as we move forward he's going to talk about God's right to choose individually but we'll get there next week. This week he's choosing corporately. He says, hey, "God chose Israel, but not everyone in Israel has individual election or salvation." All of Israel was chosen, right? There is are His chosen people. But not everyone who's in Israel is of Israel. They are all on the page of Scripture throughout the, the, the Old Testament. They're God's elect. And He had a plan for, and a purpose for them. He still has a plan and a purpose for them. That's what Romans nine, ten, eleven 11 is all about. But people come to this and they, they start to want to apply. Now they want to apply immediately that God's talking about individuals. He's not talking about individuals. We're going to see it in a moment. He's talking about nations. Every example that he uses, all the way through Jacob and Esau, he's talking about nations. He's pointing out the fact that God had the right to choose his people. But I know he's not talking about salvation. It's pretty simple, really. If we just slow down and take our time and allow God's Word to tell us. Not everybody who is of Israel is of Israel. Nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. First case study. Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac. That's what he's referring to. Now, when Abraham was called, was there anything special about Abraham? Was Abraham a believer? Worshipping the God he didn't know? Nope. God called him. Abraham responded. And he followed the Lord. We come to Genesis chapter 15. The Lord gave Abraham promises. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So Abraham got saved because he believed God's promises. He got called. That's what we call being elect. God picked Abraham out of the whole world. For what purpose? In Genesis chapter 12, we're told the purpose for God calling Abraham that through the seed of Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And every time that word seed is used, it is used in the singular tense, not seeds. Not descendants, although sometimes some translations denote it that way. It's singular. His seed, there is something specific coming through Abraham. That God chose Abraham for. And then Abraham was given a promise. He was given a promise when he was 75 years old. Abraham, you're going to have a son. They have no children. We all know the story, right? Abraham waits patiently for 11 years. At the end of 11 years, he decides, well, actually, his wife helps him. Uh, Jason, you still sitting in the back? Where's your wife at? Does he leave? Ah, and you are in big trouble. Just for the rest of you fellas, uh, Bruce and Kathy, he's going to need to come to you guys for a while. Never compare marriage to cancer. Bad idea. (laughs) Don't ever do that. Well, Sarah, in this particular case, married to Abraham, decides to help, to tell Abraham, we need to help God out. So God told us we're going to have a child. We need to help him. I have a slave, I'll give her to you as your wife. You take her and have a child with her, and that'll be our child, and that's how Ishmael was born. After waiting 11 years, then we go 13 years. So now we've we've gone forward 13 years. If you, if you want to look, it's in Genesis 17, 18 through 21. And Abraham is coming before God now, and God is telling him, "I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to." Bring forth your seed and you're going to have a lot of people that come from you. And Abraham, hearing all these promises, he he comes to God and he tries to talk God into it being Ishmael. In verse 18, he says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No. Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son and you will call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him forever. An everlasting covenant. And with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. And he will beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this set time next year. So now... It's 99. Next year you're going to have a child from Sarah. Is God have the right to choose whom God wants to choose? Cuz we often we sing songs and we come before the Lord and we open up our heart and we say, "Lord, I surrender to you." But then we hear things like God chose and we're like, "Wait a minute. Doesn't that choice have to be predicated on something I did?" No, he's God. He gets to choose. And as we look at how God works the work of salvation, it should honestly bring us comfort to realize that it hinges on him. Because if it hinges on you, then it hinges on you from beginning to end. But I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that it is he who is able to keep me unto that day. If it's of God, then he makes his promise sure. Has the word of God failed because we haven't seen how these all, these things all come to pass? Well, let's look. He goes on now. Now we come to Genesis 21. And we see God's choice, choosing Isaac rather than Ishmael. In in chapter 21, verse 10. Therefore she, Sarah, the same woman who had mentioned that you should take Hagar. I want you guys to forget that. She said, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman will not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the latter, because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. My wife knows that verse inside and out. I always have to remind her, the reason they got into that trouble was because he listened to her in the first place. So sometimes we should listen and sometimes we should not. Always we should go before the Lord. So the Lord says, you got to let her go, whatever Sarah has said to you. For in Isaac your seed, singular, shall be called. Here's what we need to understand. The plan of God does not include All. The plan of God includes some. Not all. Will everyone be saved? The Bible is very clear. No. Everyone will not be saved. Those who are not saved... Why won't they be saved? The scripture tells us. To as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. To as many as believed on his name. But not all. God's plan has not ever included all. His desire is for all. But all will not. What did Jesus say when He looked over Jerusalem weeping? How often I have wanted to gather you together. As a hen gathers her chicks beneath her wings. What's the next phrase? You were not willing. God's plan does not include all. Not all of Israel is of Israel. The point is, your physical heredity, it does not guarantee salvation. If you are born a Jew, in this sense, with, with the people whom talk, uh, Paul is talking to, it doesn't mean you're automatically saved. If you're born in the United States, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. It doesn't mean that. Heredity has nothing to do with it. Heredity has nothing to do with it. That's the point. Not all Israel is of of Israel. And even though God chose Israel to be the channel of blessing to the entire world, every individual in Israel is not saved. That's what He's saying. Yes, God chose Israel. And through Israel, the seed will come. And through Israel, God is going to bless all the world. But that doesn't mean that everyone who is of Israel has received her Messiah. Because we're all saved the same way. Broken men and women in need of the touch of the Master's hand. He goes on to tell us, The word of God has not failed. The blessings of election came upon Israel, and they rejected their Messiah. Messiah. So has the Word of God failed? All those blessings that we talked about, they all came and still they rejected. Has the Word of God failed? No, because they were the channel of God's grace to the world. But they were not elect individually. They were elect corporately. Israel was God's chosen people to bring... The blessing to the world. Look at Deuteronomy. Actually, let's back up. Before I go to Deuteronomy, let's look at at Revelation. Let's, let's look at Revelation chapter 7. If you guys flip over to Revelation chapter 7, let, re, let me remind you again where we are. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are all the children, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. Is he saying then that everyone who is Ishmael, Ishmael was sent out. Ishmael was not chosen. Ishmael was not elect. He was blessed, but he was sent out. Are they all lost? Is he talking about salvation here? Is Ishmael all lost? Is there no Ishmaelite because they're not chosen, they're not elect. Were the Ishmaelites all lost? No, you know it's not, because Revelation chapter 7 tells us something rather specific, doesn't it? Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one can number. From what? Out of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. The Bible says that folks are going to be saved out of every tribe and tongue and nation. So when the Scripture says that the Lord did not choose Ishmael, but He chose Isaac, it's not talking about salvation. He's talking about corporate election. He's talking about the people through whom the channel of God's grace would be bestowed upon the world. We get ourselves all wrapped around an axle when we come to these verses. We get ourselves all crazy. We get get all crazy and say, well, God can't choose unless He knows the choice we're going to make. You ever heard that? Or, God's so sovereign, He chooses no matter what choice you're going to make. Doesn't matter what choice you're going to make, God chooses. And both of those things are wrong. They're not scriptural. The Bible teaches us that both are true, not exclusive. And we try to wrap our human reason around it and say, well, then this must be how that works. Let me make it real simple for you. He's God, you're not. He knows what he's doing. Is he good or not? If God is good, then I think and I look at something and I look at a concept and I think that sounds like God's not righteous. Who's wrong, God or me? Yeah, you're right. We figured out where the problem is right away, right? The problem is in us, not in Him. It's in our understanding, not in His doing. There's no unrighteousness in God. We know, again, the seed. The seed is specific. It's a specific seed. What's He talking about? This, this channel of grace through which He's blessing the entire world. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. He's going to tell us again about this concept. Maybe we won't get to verse 8, but I'm hoping. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham's body as though it were dead, he he received life from from God who is able to speak things that are not as though they are. So, So God does this incredible work. Again, he tells us the promise of the children, the promised children. He, he points to the fact that they are the seed of Isaac. If we want to wrap it all together, let's look at Galatians chapter 3. And Galatians chapter 3 is going to define it for us so that we can know. In Galatians 3 verse 16, he says, Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. To Abraham and his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, which is Christ. See, the Bible defines it for us. All this while you thought, Jackie, you're crazy. No. The Bible told us. The seed of Isaac, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Jacob includes all the children and all the people they're going to have, but the focus is Christ. So God had the right to choose from which people on the entire world, based on whatever reasoning He has, that He could bring His Son to bless the world. God gets to choose that. He's God. It's His job. It's His role. So then we want to have that promise made clear. We want that promise. We want to understand it, grasp it. So it says in Romans 9 verse 8, that is those who are the children of the flesh. Now what are children of the flesh? Well, we can go to Galatians and say, the representative of the children of the flesh is the children of the bondwoman or Ishmael represents the children of the flesh. But that puts a, a real spiritual spin on it, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but let's look more plainly. Who are children of the flesh? How are you born? In the flesh. Most of us? All of us. So all of us are born as children of the flesh, right? We're all born as children of the flesh. Listen to what he says. These, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Are you born a child of God? No. No. Do you have a relationship with God because your dad was Abraham? Do you have a relationship with God because your dad was Isaac? Do you have a relationship with God because your dad was Jacob? The answer is no, no, no. Children of the flesh don't have a relationship with God. you got to become a child of the Spirit. Jesus described how that takes place in John chapter 3, didn't he? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again. You must be born again. The promise, the promise, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. What makes you a child of the promise? Physical descent does not do it. Children of the flesh are not the children of God. John 1.12 But as many as received Him, to them gave you the right to become children of God. To all who believed on His name. Now I always stop there. But it's not such a good idea. Because there's a semicolon. Which means the thought continues. The thought continues. Talking about children of the flesh. The, the way we are born. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So how do we become a children of God? Well, we understand from this that not everyone's going to receive him. It says he came into his own and his own received him not, but to as many as did receive him, to them gave you the power to become the children of God. We also know it's not by physical descent. How do we know that? It says not by blood. Are you born into a relationship with Christ? No. Was Israel born into a relationship with Messiah? No. They were the conduit of blessing to the world. But they come to salvation the same way the rest of the world does. What about by the will? What does it mean by the will of the flesh? That means you don't have a relationship with God based on your achievements. Well, I've done a lot of good stuff. I put a lot of stuff together. I lived a pretty good life. God's getting kind of a pretty cool prize with me. (laughs) That reminds me of something about a total package. What is that? I, I think I'll leave that one down. I'll save it for later. Anyhow, where was I? I got confused for man. It's not about our achievements. It's not about how much we have done. That's by the will of the flesh. The second phrase, or the next phrase, he says, nor by the will of man. It's not from your self-determination. I'm going to determine myself to be good. I'm going to determine myself to be uh, uh, um, acceptable to God. No, you don't will yourself into a relationship with God. You don't... You don't Determine yourself in, you don't achieve yourself in. How do we get in? It is all of God. All of God. Does anyone come to the Lord if God doesn't call him? The Bible says, only way you come is if God calls. The only way you come is if God calls. God chooses, God sends out the call. We respond. Messiah came through Israel. Israel had an opportunity to respond, didn't she? So not all of Israel rejected the Messiah, did they? Some received. Some rejected. All were never part of God's plan. The point is, physical descent's is not enough. There has to be spiritual commitment. There has to be a receiving of the promise. Children of the promise are counted as the seed. Children of the promise, those who believe God's word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We must believe what God said. How was Abraham saved? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed. He believed. So when we come to the first comparison, we have Ishmael... And Isaac, and God chose Isaac to be the conduit through whom he brought Messiah. But then he moves on and gives us case study number two. And it's going to be, well, I could say case study number three. If we looked at Abraham first, and then if we look at uh, Ishmael and Isaac, and then we're going to look at Jacob and Esau. Let's look at them. The case of Jacob and Esau. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac... For the children, not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. What is the cause of this choice? The cause of this choice is the purpose of God. It's God's purpose. Is God good? Does God know what he's doing? Can God be trusted? Can we put our hope in him? Sure we can. So God is good. God chose. God chose. One of the things that we want to recognize is the point in which the decision was made. Before they were born. Before they had done anything good or anything evil. There's a couple of interesting things that are brought out in this. You know that there was Jewish thought had the, the that you had the ability to sin in the womb. The Bible says... God chose them before they were born, when they had not yet done anything good or anything evil. You couldn't sin in the womb. There's no sin in there. you got to be born in this filth to get that stuff on you. So, it wasn't that. God's choice had nothing to do, had absolutely nothing to do with something that they had done. I want you to think about it. Because I'm still talking corporately. We're going to get the individual next time. Still talking corporately. But some of these things still apply. So if we talk about God's election. And God's choice. Here's what we need to realize. It's not predicated on your being good or evil. That's kind of a comforting thought. as if God only chose the good. Well, you're going to have a problem when you get to a fellow named Manasseh, the worst king in Israel, served the longest period of time, brought about the judgment of God because of his his sinfulness, and yet, in all that, God waited with long-suffering, and Manasseh surrendered his life to the Lord, and finished well. didn't start so good, but finished well. He's an evil man. If God's choice of Manasseh depended on him being good or evil, that wouldn't make any sense. God's choice of Manasseh depends on God. It's God's choice. It's His purpose. It's His plan. The presence of good or evil was not a factor or influence. It was not of works. Good deeds were not a factor. Doing good things was not a factor. in God's choice, it just wasn't a factor. In Ephesians chapter 2, we all know the scripture, verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Works have nothing to do with it. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is justified by the works of the law. It's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we who have believed in Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ. Not by the works of the law, nor by the works of the law. No flesh will be justified. We are saved by faith. Our faith in Him. Receiving what it is that the conduit has delivered to us. The Messiah. We receive the Messiah. The choice belongs to God. And that choice, that choice was not what was expected. Okay, he said that God told her, so the Lord didn't tell this to to um uh, uh, to Isaac. He told it to Rebecca. He said the Lord told her. So let's look at it. In Genesis twenty-five. In Genesis twenty-five, verse twenty-three, I want you to listen to all this time I've been telling you, this whole example is dealing with the nation. We're dealing with corporate. We're not talking about salvation. We're dealing with the nation. And, and, and everybody maybe doesn't get how that works out. So let's talk about it. In Genesis 25 verse 23, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. That's the exact scripture reference that, he, that Paul's using in Romans. So what's he talking about? Two nations. Jacob, which becomes Israel. And Esau, which is Edom. The Edomites. In fact, Esau never served Jacob. Ever. But Edom served Israel. He's looking at the nation, the election election of the nation. The conduit that God chose was Israel. From Israel, the reason that corporate election is not dealing with salvation is because that is ushering in Messiah. And once Messiah is on the scene, we have to receive Him. We have to receive what it is that God has brought, what God is ushering in, what God has given us. God always is doing things that aren't expected. Think about it. Uh, He took Isaac. Was Isaac the firstborn? No, Ishmael was the firstborn, but but Isaac becomes the son of promise, through which the seed comes. Well, then we come to Jacob and Esau. Which one was the firstborn? Esau. So Jacob wasn't the firstborn there. Well, the the rule was that the blessing would always go through the firstborn. But, But it doesn't go through the firstborn there. The Lord... Chooses Jacob. Now about this time, we think we know how God's going to work. And so he must always pick the second guy, right? Well, Jacob had how many sons? Well, don't don't confuse me, brother. (laughs) Jacob's got 12 sons. (laughs) Jacob's Jacob's got 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. And of the 12 tribes of Israel, I bet he'd pick number two. Oh, no, it doesn't work. He took four. Judah and Judah becomes the conduit for the seed because he comes from the lion of the tribe of Judah We go. let's go a little further down and let's see the Messiah is also supposed to be known as the son of David well David must have been the second born right? oops, we got a problem there too don't we? was he the fourth? nope David's number 8 Just about the time we think we got the way God figures things out, figured out. God says, no, I'm taking number four. Now I'm taking number eight. Just so you know, I'm taking the ones I want to take. The choice is mine. Is God's choice good? It's good. Why do we freak out about it? Why do we think we got to solve it? The Bible's very clear. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. God calls. The Bible tells us many are called, but few are chosen. And we want to comfort ourselves and say, well, few are chosen because they didn't choose to be chosen. <laughs> well, we're we're reading stuff in, aren't we? Reading some things in. Can we trust that God knows what he's doing when he chooses? Can we apply that with the other scripture that says you have to receive him to be saved? You have to have faith? You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ? God's choice of us is not outside of that. So God's sovereignty and our free will work simultaneously at the same time. Because God is God and he knows what he's doing. And God has never called someone to be saved who wouldn't. And the Lord has never elected someone to go to hell. The Bible says He waits with long-suffering. We're going to see it next week when we, when we continue to build on this concept. We're going to see where the Bible tells us that some vessels are made for dishonor. And these vessels of dishonor the Lord waited with long-suffering for. Why? What was He waiting for? If they're vessels of dishonor, boom, let's get rid of them. What was He waiting for? He's waiting. He's waiting for that vessel to exercise their will. He's waiting. God never coerces anyone into salvation or into hellfire and brimstone. What God does is send out the call. He sends out the call, and Jesus said, "Anyone who knows me does what? hears my voice and does and comes to me, huh? So if we hear His voice and we come to Him, what does that make us? One of his sheep. Oh, you're elect. Well, I don't know if I want to be elect. Oh, well, maybe you're not then. Well, I don't know if I like this old choice thing. I don't know if I like it. What if I don't want uh, <clears throat> to... What if, what if I'm not picked? Well, I don't know. Why don't you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And then you'll be picked. Well, I don't know if I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, then maybe you're not picked. There's no way for us to put it together in a, in a system that says, Oh, yeah, this is how it works. God chooses. And we receive. And they both happen. And I'm okay with that. Because God's good. All the time. And He knows what He's doing, doesn't He? Does God know what He's doing? Yeah, Yeah, I don't always know what I'm doing. I'm so thankful that God knows what He's doing. But let's get to the last verse, and we'll close out. The last one I'm going to talk about, verse 13. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, and Esau I have hated. Oh, that's just rotten. How could God hate Esau. When he was just a baby before he did done anything wrong? Is that what he's talking about? No. He's quoting this from Malachi. So if you guys flip over to Malachi, you can see it. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 1. Probably a thousand years after Jacob and Esau are dead. So it's been a, they've lived a whole life. God made his choice. The channel through which he would bring the children of Israel to be Jacob, the channel through which he would bring the Messiah to the world so that all the nations of the world would be blessed, right? Through Abraham, what's that blessing? The Messiah. The Messiah. So we now have the Messiah presented before us. Him whom we must receive or deny. So we receive Him, you're the elect. You deny Him, you're not. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. So is he talking about nations? Is he talking about children? Is he talking about individuals? Is this corporate? Is this individual? Look at it. Malachi 1 verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Says the Lord. Yet Jacob I have loved. But Esau I have hated. And laid waste to his mountains. And his heritage. For the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said... We have been impoverished, but we will return and rebuild the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build it, but I will throw it down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes will see, and you will say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Is He's talking about Esau the little kid? He's talking about Esau's the country, the people, the Edomites. And the Israelites. So has God's word failed because God elected the nation of Israel to be His chosen people, but they didn't receive their Messiah? God says, no, that election is corporate election. In a minute we'll talk about individual election, but now corporate election. God called them to bring the channel of His blessing, His grace, by bringing the Messiah to the world. That was the promise to Abraham. Abraham through your seed all the nations of the world will be blessed. Messiah is going to come through you, Abraham. And the same thing was told to Isaac. Messiah is going to come through you, Isaac. And then the same thing was told to Jacob. Messiah is going to come through you, Jacob. And then the same thing was told to Judah. Messiah is going to come through you, Judah. And then the same thing was told to David. Messiah is going to come through you, David. That was God's choice. Was it a good choice? Sure it was. God knows what he's doing. We don't have to be afraid of the choices of God. We don't have to live our lives in fear. We live our lives in trust. That God is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. So the question then becomes, well then if God did this, is there unrighteousness with God? Is there unrighteousness with him? What did the Bible say? Nope. So if I don't quite get it, where's the blockage? In my noodle. I'm trying to make it do backflips. Just let God's word say what it says. And let God be who he is. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you. We give you thanks. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth, God. Even as we declared earlier, it is true. We can, we can hold on to it. We can cling to it. We can know it. We can believe. Lord, though you chose Israel... Your word doesn't fail because all of Israel wasn't saved, but they rejected her Messiah. But your word's going to continue to tell us, not only has, has Israel and your word not been broken, but your plan for Israel hasn't ceased. You're still working. In chapter 10, you graft in the Gentiles. In chapter 11, you're going to graft back in Israel. And you're going to tell us in chapter 11, and all of Israel will be saved. All of true Israel. All of Israel who is of Israel. You qualified the statement, God. Lord, I pray that as we come to your word, we would allow your word to say and be what it says. And that we would grab a hold of it and and lift it and cling to it and say, this is truth. This is truth. I I don't understand everything. I don't know how God spoke and it was. I don't understand how everything happens. I just know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded He will keep me until that day that God is working in my life, and He who has begun a good work will finish it. won't leave me half done. He will finish it. And I recognize that Your Word, that exact same Word, calls me to surrender all. You call me to forsake all. You call me to receive you, to put my faith and trust in you. You tell me that I must believe. And all those things are true at the same time. God, you are working in us a a hope of glory we can't even begin to fathom. Lord, I pray that we would live our lives day by day, moment by moment, looking unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the originator and the completer, the one who breathed it into us in the beginning and the one who will make sure we are able to finish our race. The Salvation is of the Lord, not Jackie or Jason or anybody else. Salvation is of the Lord. It's His work. And we receive Your work, God. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all glory. You are worthy, so worthy, far beyond our greatest ability to exclaim Your worthiness. For you saved me and I wasn't good and I wasn't evil. It wasn't because I did something great or I did something wrong. You saved me simply because your word declares you looked across the galaxies before the world was. And you said, I love him. I'm going to make a way. And you did that for every one of us. For whosoever will can come whosoever will here on earth we can't understand the election of God but when we get to heaven we will I know it's true and I know every single one who will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is elect of God before the foundation of the world but here on earth I know this Whosoever will come, he will in no way cast out. Whosoever will come, he will receive. They will be elect of God, chosen before the foundation of the world. God, you have a purpose that you are working Here in the beginning of Romans chapter 9, you chose Israel to bless us with Messiah. You chose which parts of Israel Messiah would come through. It was your plan and purpose. Not because there was something good about Judah or Jacob or Isaac. The choice was yours. And your choices are good. When we look back on Jacob and Esau, we see, yep, Jacob was a good choice. But I knew Jacob was a good choice the moment you said it. Because you don't make bad choices. You only make good ones. Lord, we trust you. We place our faith and hope in you. For there is no other under heaven by which we must be saved. By the name of Of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.